You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today we got Pacers Celtics round two. John Corrales from Lockdown Celtics will be joining us for a pretty long discussion about the first Pacers Celtics game, the uh, tonight's Pacers Celtics game, where these teams are at, where they're headed, how they can maybe help each other in their progressions going forward as they're both under 500 with the trade deadline in less than a month. So lots of fun, interesting discussion there. But we got to open with two bits of news. Uh, one. The Pacers did, in fact, re-sign Lance Stevenson uh, on Tuesday the 11th to a 10-day hardship contract. If you've been listening to the show, you know exactly why they did that. I think that makes far and away the most sense for the two parties to continue their reunion going forward. Now the Pacers can continue to operate with more flexibility in trades. They could even sign him to 10 days after this hardship. They could be regular 10 days, but still. So Lance Stevenson back on the team for 10 more days on that hardship deal. No cap hit for the Pacers. This was the best case scenario for them. For Lance, you know, obviously he has some injury risk now that he still has if he didn't sign a deal for the rest of the season. But he gets to remain on the team. He still gets paid. He allows the franchise that is potentially saving his career to save some money. You know, he, of course, is the loser if you have to pick a loser of this deal. But he's still in the NBA after being out of the league for two years and on the franchise that has made his career what it is. I'm sure he's thrilled to just still be in the league. He was very thrilled on Instagram publicly. Uh, earlier in the day. So Lance is back for 10 more days. That is story number one. Number two, Karis Levert and Goga Batadze have cleared health and safety protocols. They are questionable to play against Boston, which John and I will talk about that game momentarily. The timing of this is interesting because now the Pacers are down to two guys, Justin Anderson, who might even even be on the team anymore as 10-day expired, and TJ Warren in health and safety. So if one of them, if all three of them had cleared, it would have been tough to fit Lance in under the hardship kind of timing to get the deal in. So all that timing really mattered for the Pacers to be able to do everything they wanted to do from a team-building perspective. But they could have Karras back. They could have Goga back against Boston. The Pacers have held guys out typically their first day after returning. I would not expect them to play necessarily, though it is possible given how the Pacers have been playing of late. We'll see. But that is the news. The Lance is back on the deal that makes the most sense. It's a great deal for the Pacers, and they still have a lot of options going forward. Now let's pivot. John Carlos from Lockdown Celtics is going to join me we're going to talk Pacers Celtics for a pretty long time. Come up with a really fun and interesting to me, a little dorky for you guys, fake trade. So let's stick around. Let's talk with John. All right, Tony. The the biggest question is like, have you stopped vomiting after <laughs> watching that disgusting display that the Celtics and Pacers put on that basketball game in air quotes that they played? Yeah, that, that's what I tweeted during the first quarter. I said, this is a, an event, not necessarily a sport or a basketball game that, that oh. we're watching right now. That game was was awful. I mean, I should have known from the jump when Dwayne Washington was checking Jason Tatum that the Pacers would look <laughs> sloppy. Anyway, they don't have anybody. They haven't had anybody. And if you told me before the game that, they're two, that their leading shot takers would be Jeremy Lamb, Torrey Craig, and Lance Stevenson, I also would have said, wow, this is going to be a horrible game, but... It was even worse than any of those sentences suggest. That, that, game, that game sucked. I mean, it, it's impossible to detail how much that game sucked. I mean, it was, it was gross. from the Celtics' perspective, same kind of deal. Oh yeah. Oh god, it was horrible. Like no ball movement unless it was Tatum whipping the ball off of Robert Williams' head. Uh, no, 
we just came off a game against the Knicks where there was actually like cuts and stuff. Like there was nobody cut in this game. It was all ISO. And it was just, I, I sat there with like my head in my hand like this, just for the whole like third quarter, like, okay, you guys going to do anything, anything at all? No. Okay. Like it was, it was horrible. So I don't think we want to relive that at all. Do you? Was there anything in that game? Like when you look at that and you say, all right, let's actual basketball, what redeeming qualities of that from that game? What can you pick? What meat can you pick off of that bone? Yeah, I talked a little bit about one thing I do want to mention a little bit. Uh, and that is that fourth quarter run uh, the Pacers went on that made it. That was nice. Uh, Celtics are ahead and the Pacers come back a little bit. And their lineup during that time was Lance Stevenson, three wings and Sabonis. And I think that that beyond who the individuals were, the structure is what's important, especially given the Celtics roster construction, is that less than having two bigs out for the Pacers, when they had three wings that could switch a little more and disrupt Tatum and Brown, that helped them a lot. And Craig and Justin Holiday and Brissett have been solid-ish defenders for the Pacers for much of the season. Justin Holiday's had more lapses recently. Is that a blueprint the Pacers can copy, given how the Celtics have have played this season? I mean, it was working for that that one stretch for this Pacers team. Yeah, you know, I think I think what the Celtics needed to do was, you know, you can attack the switches pretty well by you know setting picks and slipping and 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 really just moving at all, moving at, at any little bit. I think the Celtics could have really punished that. What what happened was in this game, I really just think the Celtics, I don't know fatigue or just mental fatigue or whatever it is that they continue to go through, they, they, they get away from things that, that work. And, and so you can say that that may have seen, might seem like a blueprint, but I also look at that and I think this, that should be very easy for the Celtics to just yes. decimate, especially, you know, you got Robert Williams, like run a damn pick and roll and ask Sabonis to cover that pick and roll and just throw lobs to Robert Williams like that, that to me, if you've got that play going and you're switching and what are you going to do with Sabonis? You're going to play a drop. You're going to switch with Sabonis. Then, then great. Um, but the Celtics don't want to take advantage of that stuff. And, you know, like at the end you say, okay, take the win. Cause the Celtics need every possible win they can get. But that, that's, that's the type of thing where I, I, you know, you're detailing a thing that worked. And as you're detailing it, I'm seething. Because like, oh, yeah, that was that's so easy to beat with given the Celtics personnel and who they have and and who's on the floor for the Pacers because you're you're still shorthanded, too. So it should be very easy to, you know, take these guys, have them make like two, three defensive decisions and then get your layup and then go down and run the other end. Because you make the more decisions you have them make, the more likely they are to, to screw one of them up. Yeah, they they would scram Brown and Tatum a little bit during those those instances, and then Rob Williams would be wide open on the roll, and then someone would come up from the weak side and cut him off. And the Celtics don't like passing the season, apparently. You know, I've I've no. caught them now watching the Pacers too, but they only had 17 assists in this whole game. Like as soon as they cut off the roll, man, they were like, "What do we do now? How do we score?" So it was very weird. Like they have no idea what to do and. What I, I'm talking for you. I shouldn't be. You know the Celtics. No, no, no. Like, I love seeing like when their actions cut off. They're like, what do we do now? Are we supposed right. to run around? Like, it was kind of weird. And the Pacers stink in their own right. They lost. But I just feel like for a minute there, they found a blueprint that could work. But that, that game was so out of whack and gross. And like both teams being completely arrhythmic all night. 
both teams with less than 50% of their makes being assisted, both teams having basically 20 turnovers, both teams shooting under 40%. Like, can you take anything from that? I mean, it, it, no one played the game they wanted. So you can find glimpses of, of bright spots like Rob was really good for you guys yeah. throughout the game, but it was a disgusting basketball game. Right, right. Like that's – if I look at that and I say, okay, here, what, what are the bright spots here? Um, I can say that, you know, Jalen Brown did manage to get, what, six assists in this game, which, you know, when you have 17 assists and he has six of them, it's like, wow, that's that's a whole big percentage of the few assists that were were uh, dished out. So that that's good. Rob was great, I think, um, which is nice because he had a stretch in December where he was kind of going back to some old bad habits. And now that he's, you know, kind of gotten rid of that, I think he he covered up for a bunch of people's mistakes and you know, you, you tend not to want to drive when Robert Williams can really come out of nowhere. That overtime block where I forget who it was who drove and Rob just the guy he was covering was between the left block and the three point line. And Rob just like sprinted directly across the baseline to block that shot that ultimately led to the Grant Williams three. Like that was spectacular. And and he was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just not going to let these defensive miscues stand. I'm going to go and I'm going to erase these things. So that that was that was huge. And so now for me, because I'm a, I'm, I'm covering the Celtics, I'm just wondering how that's going to blow up in our face. Because is <laughs> the, the problem with with Robert Williams is like that was good, but there's a fine line between bailing somebody out and constantly chasing those blocks. You know what's the appropriate time? for him to make that run and commit to that block shot versus reading, okay, in this situation, he's he's fine. The guy covering my teammate is fine. I don't need to rush over. He was When he was struggling, he would rush over no matter what, and he wouldn't read that the guy needed no help. In this game, he was very good about, okay, I'm going to play good positional defense. I'll, you know... I'll ride guys down the lane and then jump second to, you know, once they commit, I'll commit. And, and he'll, he read when the guys actually needed help. I just hope that he can keep it that way. I know you're talking about Robert Williams, but it sure sounds like you're talking about a young miles Turner right now. <laughs> the jumpiness, the, the poorly yeah. timed block attempts. And also on a non-serious note, Rob Williams had one of the coolest plays I've ever seen in this game. He blocked the same shot twice. Yeah, Wayne Washington took a layup, he blocked it, it hit the backboard and bounced out, and he was flailing his other arm for balance, and then blocked it again off the backboard out of bounds. It was sick, it was super demoralizing for Dwayne Washington, who, again, had to check Tatum all night and did not have a good game. That was really funny, it was a pretty sick block, but that was like the coolest play. Maybe Tatum's, I guess, game-tying baseline jumper was sick too, but that was yeah, like the coolest play from a, a disgusting night of basketball. <laughs> hey guys, let's take one short little break to talk about... Prize picks, you've been hearing me tell you about them for months. You gotta sign up. They're daily fantasy made easy. And if you haven't checked it out yet, you're missing out. They have the best app for NBA and mixed sport pickums. The Christmas Day games were a hoot on there. The New Year's action was a hoot on there. And they have the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players and bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game, any prop you can think of. And if you Deposit and use our promo code. You'll receive a 100% instant match deposit up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA when you sign up. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. You can run up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you 
versus the projected numbers. You've got to check it out. Head over to prizepicks.com. Use that promo code MBA or go to your app store and download the app. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Yeah, we could we could pull something out of that. Uh, so, all right, moving forward here, um, they're going to do this again in Indy. Uh, yay! <laughs> yay! You, can you tell? I hope I hope the listener and the viewer can pick up on the palpable disdain that we have for these two teams playing against each other. Um, I'm, I'm actually, you know what, to be honest with you, I, I do expect actually the Celtics to kind of bounce back and play play a better a better brand of basketball. I don't know why I feel like they, they kind of are up and down. And after a little bit of prodding from Ime, like, you know, enough with the ISO stuff. Um, I, I'm, the only thing is that it doesn't look like Marcus Smart's going to play. And I thought Marcus Smart was, was pretty good at controlling the game too. Um, if Marcus Smart doesn't play, then you can throw this all out the window because when you start Schroeder, then I think Schroeder's basically just playing for himself. He's just going and whatever he, he's playing for his own contract. And that's, I think, I think he understands that the next few weeks are basically an audition for trade deadline and he's not interested in all that other stuff. So he's just trying to pad some stats. Uh, but if, if they can kind of get everybody on the same page, I think they can actually, they'll, they'll come out, they'll put up like a 32 to 16 first quarter and then, you know, cough it up later on in the game. That's like every Celtics game I've watched this season, basically. So basically. That, that basically. seems par for the course. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Pacers have played worse games this season than the one against the Celtics, not like in appeal, but in terms of actual performance. So I expect they'll be a, a little better too, but. You know, a lot of the guys that struggled in, for them in this game against Boston are guys that have had really inconsistent seasons in general. Like, nothing about this matchup made me think that they played bad. Like, Justin Holiday missed a bajillion open looks. Miles Turner was in foul trouble and missed a bajillion open looks. Domas missed four or five bunnies. Like, those guys, in theory, will just naturally be a little better. But the same thing can be said a lot about a lot of the Celtic shots. Like, they missed a ton, a ton at the rim in this game. And Horford was just like... Al Horford's good, and he's, like, positionally a genius. But there was so much of the game, I was like, oh, Al Horford's in the game. I had no idea, and he's been in for five minutes. Yeah. Like it, you know, he'll be better, and, and he's too good to have that level of impact. And on the flip side, Torrey Craig and Jeremy Lamb aren't going to be that good twice in a row. It's very rare that they assert that level of impact. So I think the Pacers will be better in general. Like, their best guys will be better, and they might get Brogdon or LeVert back uh, in this game. TBD on both of those guys, but Brogdon's mm-hmm. getting closer. And if that's the case, they'll definitely look better, but... They just—they've been playing so many reserves and and replacement guys recently that it's hard for them to put together consistent play in general. So yeah, I think they'll be better, but not hugely better unless someone has a wildly good three-point shooting night, basically. So mm. th- for them, it's going to be about figuring out how to contain you know the the, the Rob Lobs basically because <laughs> uh, everything else they did a pretty good job with. So if they can clean that up, even if they play equally bad, they might have a shot. But I agree with you that. I think the Celtics have more room to grow into a better performance than the Pacers do, given who's available for them. So, let's be honest. Any any Celtics fan listening right now doesn't care how this game is going to go when we're talking about the Pacers. That's Duncan for you guys. It's yeah. No, I think I think when Celtics fans listen and watch this, they're going to be like, "Get to the trades, John. Get to the <laughs> trades, John." We're trying to pick this Pacers carcass. We're the we're the buzzards surrounding the you know when do the Pacers start to actually hit that rebuild? 
And no, things are fine. Things are fine here. Oh yeah, no, that's good. I'm glad. I'm All glad. <laughs> Their owner went on the record because he loves the team so much. Everything's fine. Everything's great. Yeah. So let's ask you this: how 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 close how close are things to changing? Because he can say everything's fine, but then I listen to you know uh, Brian Windhorst say no one in the league believes that Demontis Sabonis actually wants to be in Indiana anymore, regardless of what anybody says. Yeah, you know, I try to get 15 minutes into most of these shows before I get too tradey. Uh, but uh, we're at 12:45, so you want what do you want to do? You want to sing a song for another? <laughs> well, and we're and we're three days from the day where everybody can be moved, basically outside of extended guys, and this stuff all heats up anyway. So it's time for me to get a little more serious about it. But you know, I thought that they'd probably just play the information game until February. You know, it's clear they're going to do some sort of trading, but. Like, this is the best year they've had of Turbonus ever. Duarte is clearly something that they want to see as much data as possible of who fits the best with him and stuff like that. And, you know, they might get TJ Horn back at some point before the deadline. That would be nice info to get, although at this point it wouldn't be enough to to matter. So I thought that's what the, the deal would be is, is play the information game as long as you can before you decide, okay, what are our best our best offers on the table? And KP is, is a big ranker. He likes to rank his, his trade his trade options and decide that way. But after this Celtics game where Miles Turner sits basically the whole fourth quarter, and that was like his third game in a row sitting almost the whole fourth quarter. And in the Celtics game, he probably should not have been in in the fourth. He did not play well that game. He has been struggling to take advantage of opportunities recently. He was in foul trouble. And then, like we talked about earlier, that three-wing lineup did very well for the Pacers, right? Mm-hmm. Why would Rick Carlisle break that up? In that game specifically, he should not have been in. But he does have some legit qualms about his role recently, he still has done a terrible job taking advantage of some opportunities. Whatever, I'm talking too much about nothing here. <laughs> he tweets last night, this ain't, and then a P emoji, which apparently means like this isn't right or something. And some of his management is is putting up some cryptic Instagram stories, and he's Turner is as well. Like he's clearly frustrated about not playing as much and not getting, you know, he went on the record with the athletics Jared Weiss, who Celtics listeners know very well about wanting a much bigger role. And that hasn't really happened in the last two or three weeks. So it seems like he's on the way out and he's only got one and a half more years on his deal anyway. So his trade value plummets in a few weeks. So if, if his messaging is him saying, you know, it's time, maybe the things will heat up for the Pacers pretty soon. I kind of thought it would be two more weeks before it got really serious. But it seems like if, if, if Turner's really putting his foot down at, at all, that it could come sooner for this team. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, th- this is like uh, a very interesting time for the league. I mean, there haven't been any rumors for anybody really. Um, mostly because the pandemic, the, 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 the league trying to avoid a shutdown has kind of tamped down all of the trade talk, right? Because all of, all the front offices have just been required to sign all of these, these hardship guys. And now that that's mostly done, at least for now, Front offices can be like, all right, now let's see who's pissed off on our team, and we can and we can go from there. So, so yeah, I do expect things to heat up. Um, the Celtics are in such a uh, an interesting position because they're both buying and selling. They're selling off certain pieces. They're you know, I'm sure they're open to some of their more interesting players moving in the right deal, but they're also not like selling, selling. Like we're not talking about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Or, you know, even even like, you know, Robert Williams and Marcus Smart are like the guys that you got to you got to you got to wow them with a, a much bigger deal. Right. So 
The Celtics are kind of like on both sides. I, I do think they're going to move Schroeder. I think they're open to moving other people. I think Juancho Hernan Gomez has got to go just as far as like clearing some salary there. They have mm-hmm. luxury tax issues that they're trying to um, maneuver. So there's there's that. The Celtics are are a very interesting team. And I'm, I'm just – with the Pacers on this verge of at least – retooling, maybe not outright rebuilding, but re- almost like a rebuilding on the fly. Very curious to see where where the Celtics, maybe the Celtics and Pacers can get some some business done. Yeah, the Pacers would have to have some sort of interest in PP or Grant for, I think, anything to materialize if Brown yeah. – because I agree with you. I think it's ridiculous the way that Brown and Tatum get talked about. Like I saw Kevin Pelton make oh, this point, yeah. so I'm kind of reinforcing someone else's point here, but you know, they, they – the tweet was basically someone asking like, okay, of all the teams that kind of are on the fringe of like, maybe they should blow it up. Which one's the most needing to do it? And it was Boston and Indiana and Portland. And I forget the fourth team, Sacramento, I think. And Makes it's sense. like three of those four teams are all, or Atlanta, Atlanta was the fourth one. And it was like three of those four teams have like really good young cores. They don't need to shake it up necessarily. They just need to like tweak it. Right. And yeah. Portland was the, was the outlier that has an old core, but the Pacers don't have a star. They should obviously be changing. But like, you, if, if you're Boston, you have two really good studs under 25. Like, you don't trade one of them. That's stupid. You try to get the right stuff around them. So I always, I've always been interested in how Boston will proceed just because the tax is certainly a concern. When you're under 500, you think about the tax. Like, you just do, even if it's, you know, maybe wasting, air quotes on wasting, a year of Tatum's prime or whatever. But yeah, they've been fascinating to me because of all the factors that play for them. But it's really hard to find a great, like, a big deal. Like, wow, wow, the Pacers and Celtics did what? Be- unless the Pacers really love one of those young guys because Pritchard wouldn't play on the Pacers, basically, because McConnell and Brogdon are there. And mm-hmm. Grant Williams probably wouldn't play very much either. Like, they probably wouldn't have a ton of value in Indiana. So it's hard to come up with a perfect deal between the two teams, I feel like. Let's take one more break, talk about two wonderful groups of people. And first up is the good folks over at Built Bar, who we've been talking about forever on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's the new year. That means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit like mine or eating healthier, include Built Bar in your New Year plan. They're a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better, but they're way, way healthier and they make it way easier to stick to your resolution because they taste good. You'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars that are disgusting, but they're healthy at the same time, right? Only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, only four net carbs, but they have 17 grams of protein. Candy bars, much less healthy in basically every single one of those categories. Go try a bunch of them. They have a bunch of great flavors over at Built.com. I love the peanut butter brownie one. The mint chocolate one's delicious. They had some great Christmas flavors. It's a great way to you know, supplement a meal or a snack. You got to try them. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. That promo code again, LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Let's also talk about BetOnline.ag. We'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as the march to the playoffs and beyond continues Football playoffs coming right up, and Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action of 2022. New year, new updated desktop and mobile website for betonline.ag, where you can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON, all one word, to get started. Football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. Yeah, I mean, the the guys that obviously the Celtics are looking for some bigger names, so they're they're 
hoping that there's some smoke behind the the Sabonis stuff because hey, maybe Sabonis, you know, in Boston could be like he would he would work very well. Now the question then becomes, does that mean Rob is gone? Like how do you how do you make that work? It's very why would you say Sabonis and Turner are having, you know, are, are kind of problematic together and then say, okay, here's Robert Williams who doesn't even <laughs> shoot the three. Like that's, I don't, I don't know if that's how it would go. That probably would mean they'd move on from Robert Williams and that would make for an interesting kind of defensive struggle for the Celtics. So I, I just, I don't see the, the deal that's there, not a major deal. I don't see a major deal there. I don't see Sabonis. I don't see Turner. I don't see anything like Brogdon. Does LeVert uh, make any sense for the Celtics? I don't think so. N- no. Now, he what's, might have the sweet spot of value that's possible, and he's like, What's good? his contract? I haven't seen his contract. Like, Two what, years left, at a little over $30 million in total, not per year. So, so okay. So, LeVert, maybe. There might be something there if he's making like if somewhere in that 15 range, but it would – that now we start to cross into like okay, what what is that? What's that going to cost the Celtics? How highly do you value Lavert in Indiana? Uh, why did he suddenly lose so much value that you're like, yeah, let's take you know, you're taking Wancho and a young guy like is is a, a a flyer on a young guy like Romeo going back to Indiana and Wancho as a salary dump to 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 get Karis Lavert? Then you know, yeah, maybe we can talk, but. I don't know. I don't think that's going to get you anywhere. Right. Yeah, it's a tough fit. And like I, in theory, the pieces make sense from a value perspective, but where the teams are at makes it really, that's what makes it really hard to come up with stuff, right? Because they're both under 500. Like you don't, those those are the kind of teams that are like, yeah, we're a great fit for each other right now. Right, right. Well, I think the Celtics, I mean, I don't know how the, the Pacers perceive themselves I, I would assume that the Pacers and the Celtics are in kind of similar situations in in some regard in that it's a disappointing season so far yes. for both teams right like sure, sure. We, we we didn't expect it to to be a championship season but where they are right now for various reasons is is really like whew, th- this well, is bad. when the lockdown podcast network did our tears for the Season preview, Celtics and Pacers are boasting like the can they can they make noise kind right. of tier, right? Can they get to that like five to seven range in their conference and be threatening in the first round? And neither of them are looking like they're gonna do that right now. Obviously, the Celtics have a much better chance of getting there. So, you know, who knows where that goes. But I don't think that unless unless there's like a big love for Levert in Boston, it's gonna be hard for these teams to help each other this year. Yeah, I think, because they've both been so disappointing. But I did come up with a minor trade that I DM'd John Corrales earlier today because yeah. I am a nerd uh, and I and I love this idea. So, hello, Boston Celtics, who have a luxury tax concerns, as you mentioned. They're about $5 million over the tax. How would you like to cut that in half? Doesn't that sound wonderful? Hello, Indiana Pacers. Wow, in half, you say? Hmm. <laughs> All Let's I got to do is trade Wancho, and I haven't figured out the little extra thing yet. And you can have your pick of Tory Craig or Justin Holiday, who both make enough that straight up that trade is legal. The reason the Pacers would do this, they would take on a little bit of money this year, but no guaranteed money for Wancho next year would be huge for the Pacers because they have a ton of money guaranteed next year, and they're not good. They don't want to have a ton of money guaranteed next year. Celtics cut a little bit off their tax bill and get a better player who could actually play for them this year. That seems like it makes sense to me, but I don't know what the difference between 
the assets would be there. And the Pacers obviously yeah. would not love to take on salary, but it, it's not like so ridiculous to me that something like that would happen. Well, my initial reaction is like, yeah, sure. Wancho for anybody that's useful. Like, <laughs> He's not even playing, right? He doesn't play. No, no, no. And then, like, it, this, this sucks for me because, you know, you know how it goes, right? You have a podcast. You're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go for that obscure name that, you know, Hey, the Celtics need to take a fly. So like last summer I was like, Hey, you know, Wancho Hernan Gomez and I'm like laying out the stats, like Wancho as a starter has actually this percentage and blah, blah, blah. So I like would pepper in from time to time. Hey, I still think Wancho would be worth a flyer. And then they signed Wancho and my Twitter's going nuts. Like, Oh wow, you called it. And then now I'm like, um, Sorry, I even <laughs> so though it was the three, a flyer, the three games he's played over ten minutes, they are minus twenty one in those in those <laughs> minutes with him on the floor. Yikes! Yikes. It's, uh, it's not great. It's not. This great. is a money deal only for the Pacers. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, Wancho can can go for sure. Um, th- here's the thing: like the Celtics need to move. Schroeder. And I think Schroeder somewhere for a couple of seconds is like the most realistic. It might not even be two seconds considering the situation. If you, if you move him, they created the the roster spot. So they, they seem to be cooking up something for the potential of bringing in somebody else in. So if we're looking at Wancho and who, Justin, uh, See, just not I or Tory Cray. You know what? Whichever one makes more sense to you in your head. But you know, I mean, either either one. Um, I think you know a wing, a wing who can shoot, is something that the Celtics can can really use. So um, give me a wing who can shoot and save the Celtics a little bit of money. And if it only costs Wancho Hernan Gomez, or if it's Wancho, see they already got rid. Of, you know, hey, Wancho and Ennis Cantor. That's not his name. Uh, Ennis Cantor Freedom. You didn't let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> I I was thinking about this. No, inside the mind of a podcaster for you listeners for a few seconds. If a player on the Pacers changed their name, I would mess it up for months. Months. Oh god, yeah. Was- I mean, it would be impossible. I can't imagine how you're doing that. Um. Yes. Also, uh, it's, you know, it's Ennis and whatever. So Ennis, Ennis K freedom is my, my, the way I've been referring to him. Ennis K freedom. So if we did Ennis and that's the other way I get around it. I just use his first name. That's fine. Ennis, Ennis and Wancho is 8 million out. And then you can bring back holiday who makes six. If you could do that, can you do that for Tory Craig straight up? I don't think so. Uh, it's close. Let me try it. Let me try it as we speak. Success. Oh, see that the reason that the problem there is the Pacers might go over the tax if they did that one. That's why Justin makes a little more sense. And Justin's a better shooter. He's probably better fit with the Celtics, but they save less money. So yeah, competing goals for both teams there. Right, right. Well, I mean, if the, if they can maybe work a three team trade where, also, uh, we're going to need some cash or like a second round pick because this is this is so far just us giving away a good player for us. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, look, if my 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 feeling is if the Celtics send away Schroeder for a couple of seconds, then, you know, you can you can attach them to this 
and say, here, here are the two seconds we got from the Schroeder deal. And you get rid of Freedom. You get rid of Wancho. And then you take back, like, e- even if you take back um, Holiday and you say, all right, well, you're not saving quite as much money. Personally, I'm willing to do it. But the Celtics probably le- need to save a little bit more money. And so um, we'll see. And, and I think that's about as far as I'd go. I'm not going to attach a, like a younger player or anything like that. So That's fine. John, we did it. We came up with the most boring possible podcast fake trade. How does it feel? That is literally the most boring fake trade. <laughs> I, it's, it's not even a challenge trade. It's just like embarrassing reflections of where these teams are. <laughs> true. Considering the the way that game went, that first game went, this is the most appropriate trade yeah. to kind of pair with that game. It's like pairing flat wine with, uh, I don't know, a steak you found in the garbage. Uh, close us out here, John. Who's going to win in Indy tonight? I mean... In Brad Stevens' homeland. I know, I know. Uh, I'll, say, I'll still say the Celtics. I'll say the Celtics, but in, I, don't, I don't anticipate this, this game being any better than the last one. Yeah, the Pacers have won 15 of the their, half their season's over and they've won 15 games. I cannot pick them to beat anybody, <laughs> Sands, Orlando, and Detroit. I cannot pick them to beat anybody right now. That said, they have Lance Stevenson playing at home. Anything can happen when Lance Stevenson plays That's at home, true. as evidenced by his unreal games this past week against the Nets and the Jazz. So, yeah, I mean, in a vacuum, I'm definitely picking the Celtics. I, I can't beat anybody these days, but Lance could do anything in this, like anything in this game. So if, that is the, the Pacers fan hope in this one. If the Celtics lose, I hope it's at least to some ridiculous Lance Stevenson shots. Like at least put on a show Lance and, and make it entertaining. He, he has certainly done that. I mean, a 20 point quarter off the bench in his first game back in front of a crowd that loves him was like, that's awesome. Wow. So yeah, I, I agree with you that the Celtics will probably win, but Pacers have surprised me a few times this year. They blew out the Jazz in Utah for some reason, and they have 15 wins at the halfway point. They make no sense. The Celtics make no sense. This NBA season makes no sense. And this game, if it's like Monday's game, will also make no sense. No sense. No sense.